joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. I'm your host for today's Live Joy, Share Joy. And today we are going to dig into the transfiguration of Jesus. What does this mean for us during this time of Lent? And how do we apply it to our walk as Christians? How do we take this beyond this Lent experience and also use it now? To walk us through this conversation, it is my pleasure to welcome Pastor Joel Newton from St. John's Lutheran Church in Park Rapids, Minnesota. Welcome to the show. Howdy. Thanks for having me again. Oh, my gosh. I'm so thrilled that you came back. Of course, you were here with us in Advent, mm-hmm. and you were amazing. And so I'm like, you have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I said, you know, here's these topics, you know, which one is landing for you? And you're like, transfiguration. I'm like, I knew you were going to pick that. <laughs> yeah, I just knew it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it is. As we talk about the transfiguration of Jesus, it may be helpful, Pastor Joel, to send them to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. So where do we start talking about this conversation? Well, my favorite part with this, uh, I didn't understand it for quite some time. Well, to say I understand it now, goodness gracious. But but for quite a while, I didn't see kind of what was the point of transfiguration. Neat thing, you know, <laughs> cool looking Jesus up on the mountaintop. Uh, but I heard it from a college professor there at Concordia in Nebraska for a brand new way that I'd never heard it before. It was our, our senior year, and he preached a sermon on it, and it occurred to me, well, he told it to us, <laughs> uh, that it's, it's Jesus showing who he is, kind of to give us confidence that he really is the Lord that he claims to be as we walk through uh, the difficult moments of life, as we step from kind of a mountaintop glorious experience to the difficulties of walking in the plains or the wilderness of this world. I love that. And what was coming to me as you were talking, it's sort of this bridging the gap between here's the human piece of things. Here's the heavenly piece of things, but there's almost this moment where we can see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what it is for me. I mean, that's when I think about it, that's what it looks like to me. And it makes it real. Yes. Yeah. So, so they're, the disciples, only three of them, interestingly, are given this view of Jesus in this way. And that's just as they're about to step toward Jerusalem and Jesus' suffering and death. And it's like they have to have this extra vision of who Jesus is to say, yeah, all that stuff's going to happen, but I'm still who I am. You can trust me that it's going to turn out okay. And um, that, that's why it struck me our senior year there so much. It had been a wonderful time there. Um, in college and you know you build those deep friendships you learn so much and grow through the classes and and the relationships built there and then there's this verse that we sang in chapel that morning um, from a transfiguration hymn and uh, it's called tis good lord to be here and the fourth verse goes tis good lord to be here you know echoing peter's words yet we may not remain we can't stay up on the mountaintop and in the same way we we wanted to stay at college you know there's that but but you realize God's not calling us here only for the glorious moments and for the joy of just sharing together in this kind of insulated academic spot, you know. But then it says, since thou bidst us leave the mount, come with us to the plain. And so we're about to be sent out uh, to go kind of who knows where. Some of us knew, some of us didn't, and that kind of thing. And as we're sent away, we were reminded uh, it's not something, it wasn't a place we were to just come and stay but come to give us an experience. This is who Jesus is, what he's like, to send us out in the world, and then still to be able to know what we're looking forward to when Jesus returns. 
I love this. And I'm sure that there are so many people that can relate to this concept. I mean, what just struck me is you know, my kids are in that age category where they're mm. leaving. We're moving into empty nester phase here. Yeah. And it's sort of that same gulp moment where I know they'll be okay. I know we've given them this foundation of the Lord mm-hmm. in the home. And now it's their turn to go out and have that relationship with God without mm-hmm. us right physically there. Yeah. But it's a transition. There's like this transition, and yet mm-hmm. we know it's going to be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So Jesus reveals who he is to say he, yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely, Jesus says, I am Lord over everything. Yeah. Moses is there. Elijah's there. And they say, um, well, they're, they're pointing to Jesus as somebody who's even greater than they are. Uh, and I thought that was a new one for me on this round of study that Peter, when he says, let's build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, Peter's kind of implying there that they're all equal. And no, they're not. Jesus is greater than both Moses and Elijah. Uh, He's not on the plane. He's what they're both pointing to and looking forward to. And he's the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets in that way. I love that you're bringing this up because so many times people question me about my faith or my relationship. Mm. Like Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. There is, right? It's like, this is so clear and it's so apparent. Yeah. And I love that that is actually brought out in this transfiguration accounting because it's an important piece. In my opinion, it's an important piece. When we talk about claiming Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Mm -hmm. he is the Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it's not just like Michael Jordan, you know, it's not like he's the best among the other guys. It's like he's this totally different person who is, like you say, Lord, not only human, Lord, become human to be our Savior. Yeah. yeah. And so Amen. that's what we get here at Transfiguration. It kind of kind of peels back the veil of his divinity. And um, Pastor Neubauer, my, my senior pastor there at, at St. John's, um, said in a sermon this past Sunday, <laughs> he said we ought to recognize, too, that what we consider normal for Jesus, usually when we talk about this, is Jesus the way he normally looks, unglorified. But he said, when you think about it, actually, for Jesus, it's normal to be glorified. And what's abnormal is for him to have that transfiguration vision veiled uh, like we normally see him in the scripture. I thought, oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And and that's what sort of changes it up, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's that new perspective. There's another yep. different way of looking for it. So that's kind of what we're focusing on. Yeah. Um, so it says here... 17, just verses 1 to 8 is is the story. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking, when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice come from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So he's begun to you know, give them this vision as they head, especially in Luke's gospel, that's emphasized. He's just started to teach them um, you know, the stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's just started to teach them he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to go to the cross, and they're uncomfortable with that because they thought, uh, at least partially, Messiah's going to come, we're going to kick the butt of the Romans, we're going to be, you know, getting everybody else out of here and establish this kingdom. But the kingdom Jesus came to establish isn't one of this world, uh, but of the next. It includes our world, but it's not an earthly kingdom, right? And uh, so, so 
just as they're like, oh no, you know, what have we gotten ourselves into in following this guy? Um, they have this helpful reminder, wait a minute, he is still the Lord overall, right. like you say. Amen. Yeah. Well, I love that you're bringing that up too. Uh, what have we gotten into following this guy? I don't know what your experience was like when you came to the Lord, but for me, it was like a complete transformation, like hmm. something there was definitely for me a before and after. Hmm. And I had people thinking I had lost it. I was crazy because hmm. who is this? Like, you're completely different. This trust you have in this God and yeah. and you're doing things that maybe don't look normal, right, to sure. somebody else. And I think I, I love that they were feeling the same way. Yeah. Like, who is this guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. My story is a little different. I've you know never experienced a time that I wasn't a Christian, but there are these kind of, we sort of call them coming to Jesus moments every now and again, right? <laughs> and, and it's like every now and again you have this like, oh, no, you know, we really have to make an adjustment, you know, and and it's terrifying. And and you don't realize, well, I guess it's it, every every time new, it feels like you you're realizing it fresh again whether it's a new and deeper level or you forgot or whatever the thing was. And it's like, oh, this is going to take more of me than I realized. You know, and it just, you know, and that's that's what the disciples are facing um, heading into Lent. So glad you brought that up. Can we we get into Lent a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it excites me to talk about this because I I think it's often overlooked the way that we kind of live our lives, often forgetting most things that are pretty important. And, you know, if you... If you ask us, we can give the answer, right? But it's so easy to get distracted by everything that's going on in life. And if we get out of the proper routines, it causes so much trouble. And that allows us to forget the things that we really don't want to forget. So Lent is this special time. It's, it takes uh, six weeks in our church and we celebrate it, um, which is 40 days if you don't count the Sundays, basically, uh, from Ash Wednesday through Holy Week. And uh, But to understand Lent, we have to take a step backward from Lent, because Lent's just a piece of this larger whole of life lived according to kind of seasons in the church, I guess you could say. Um, and even to step back from that to say, well, okay, why would we have seasons in the church? Well, we have to have routines in life. One of my favorite prophets at the seminary said, variety may be the spice of, it, of life, but routine is its sustenance. <laughs> and so, so true. We, yeah, and variety is so much fun, right? Days off, vacation days, that kind of thing. Oh, we enjoy getting out of the normal kind of the humdrum, right? But if we didn't have that normal daily routine, you know, in the morning you get up, you stumble over to the coffee pot and you make the coffee, or maybe you even planned ahead and you had it brewing from the night before or something like this, and you get up, you have your Bible time and you pray and brush your teeth and do your hair and whatever the thing is. I don't do my hair too short, which is, you know, very purposeful in that way. But if you didn't have that, you'd, you'd be off track. You wouldn't be able to, to function properly, to think like you want to, to work through the day. And so Lent is one of the routines in the larger routine of the church year, which for the same purpose as our just kind of daily life routines, helps us to focus on what's important. And even more than that, forms our life to what it needs to be so that we're able to operate in the world as Christians. Oh my gosh, there is so much to talk about, and you really just hit on something, and I love this analogy of the routine, the normal, what we're doing. We're going to be back. We're going to take a brief pause. We are talking with Pastor Joel Newton from St. John's Lutheran Church in Park Rapids. We're talking all about the transfiguration of Jesus, how this ties into the Lent experience, how this ties into our experience as a Christian and our walk with the Lord. 
Oh my gosh, friends, there's so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We're taking a brief pause. We will be back. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. Since 1894, Ameriprise Financial has worked for their clients' futures, helping millions of Americans retire on their terms. Work with Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson, and together you'll develop a customized plan for your retirement. Discover the one-to-one relationship you deserve. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy and Live Joy, Share Joy. I like to be infused with joy all the time. Every Monday through Friday, I do an infusion of joy video on Facebook and Instagram. I cover a topic related to joy and provide insights, perspectives, and distinctions, as well as offer an opportunity for you to continue digging even deeper into your own joy. Make sure you're following me on the Life Full of Joy Facebook page and on Instagram at Live Joy, Share Joy. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We are speaking with Pastor Joel Newton from St. John's Lutheran Church in Park Rapids. We're talking all about the transfiguration of Jesus, how this ties into our Lent experience, and how this ties into our walk as a Christian. Pastor Joel, when we went into the break, we were starting to talk about a little bit about routines, a little bit about the Mm -hmm. same old, same old, and what happens when we actually break that and do something different. That's kind of what Lent is, isn't it? A little bit, yeah, yeah, but it's not just a breaking of the routine like like we're just leaving all routine. It's a purposeful break of one routine to enter into another routine. And so this whole church seasons kind of an idea uh, is very similar to the way that we do holidays uh, in life. You know, we, Christmas, we sing special songs, eat special food, gather with special people, all that kind of thing. Fourth of July, we do a very similar thing, you know, and, and the barbecue and national songs and everything. When we do that in the church, the idea is that our lives through these different routines are formed to the life of Christ. And so we kind of walk with the Savior through these different moments, and this specifically is part of the time in the church year uh, that we call the time of Christ. And then um, after, after Easter begins the time of the church, we call it, after the, after the Easter season. But in this particular time, we're, sp- we're focused especially on the life of Christ and everything that he did for us. So our Lenten routines then help us to partly experience just a taste of what Jesus experienced, but then also in everything we do, be pointed back to our Savior and his work for us. Wow. I love this. You know, this is so interesting. I metaphorically just got this image of a song and it's like you have a verse, then you have a chorus, then you have a verse, Mm -hmm. then you have a bridge. Mm -hmm. So the bridge may have a different way that the song is building, a different way that we look at it, Mm -hmm. but there's a transition that happens in the bridge that takes us to another level in a song. Yeah. And so Lent, in in its own way, is almost like this bridge of the song of Jesus. I know this is really out 
No, <laughs> but no, it kind of beautiful. is, isn't it? Yeah, and after the bridge, you often have kind of a like key a climb. Up there, you it, have to climb. Yes, that's exactly it. So I have to. I have to. My my grandfather was on his deathbed in 2010, and we were singing hymns around his bed. And we were singing "Abide with Me," which is one of my favorites. And uh, my sister uh, was. We got to the second to last verse, and she goes, "Okay, key change." Mm-hmm, like this. <laughs> I just made this really funny noise, and we were all kind of having this moment. It's like, you know, just busted us all out laughing. But what she was trying to do there is exactly what that, like you say, that bridge takes us to. And you kind of walk through, in Lent at least, you walk through this sort of, these this wilderness, the plains, you could say. If a, if a mountaintop experience is the transfiguration, where everything's glorious, everything makes sense, you know, you can see for miles, you can, you know, it, it even feels like you can see what the future's going to be. And then you step down from there into the plains, into kind of this desert wilderness type of a place. You can't see very far ahead. Things don't make sense like they used to, all this kind of stuff. And you're just walking through this way, and things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. And that's what Lent is in our kind of yearly cycle that we have this six weeks to focus on the way that things are not the way that they should be. Our our own behavior isn't what it ought to be. Our own souls aren't what they ought to be yet. He who began a good work will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus, but he hasn't yet. And so I still have sin. I, I know sin. I am sinful this way. And and we look forward to when kind of the bridge, that, that change in routine transitions, you know, well, it culminates in Easter, does Lent. In, in what could be a better thing for that key change into something new and higher and holy cow, this is bigger than we ever thought that it might be. We in our church tradition don't say what we call the A word, uh, hallelujahs during Lent, right? And so we put down that word of praise for these six weeks. And again, it's not something that, you know, nobody says you, you can't possibly, right? But the idea is we're going to put this word aside for a bit that we love to say so much so that we can bring it out with a vigor like never before on Easter. And then one of our favorite uh, Easter hymns has this that I, that I just love because that key change idea that you brought speaks into it. And I was talking with a friend about it, and he said, I don't really like that verse because it doesn't make sense to me. And I thought, oh, well, the reason it makes sense to me is not because there's coherent sentences. It just feels like at the end of this hymn, you can only spout things, and you don't even know how they relate together because the joy just, and so it goes, city of God, Easter forever, golden Jerusalem, Jesus the Lamb, river of life, saints and archangels, sing with creation to God the I Am. And it's like there's not this thing that makes much sense. It's just... Oh, here's this whole big thing that I don't even know how to describe. I can't capture it all in words, but that's what that kind of next level key change. Wow, the glory of Jesus returns, right? But Lent gives us this time of reflection and repentance that, well, if we're going to keep with the song thing, when you the instruments drop out and you go a cappella for the verse, and then you come back with the instrumentation. Everything comes through, and it's the more glorious for having experienced kind of the a cappella part of that. And it's it's a similar thing with Lent, that we walk with the Savior here, and we walk through the wilderness so that when we finally come back home again, it's that much more glorious. Amen. I mean, this is it is so powerful, and I'm glad we came up with that little kind of metaphor thing yeah, while we're really- talking here. It's, it's because there's so much in that, and... What I love also as you're talking is that we know God is present in all of it. Mm -hmm. We know he's present even when we're in the wilderness area. We know he's present when he shows us this transfiguration. There's this moment Mm -hmm. where we see with such different eyes. 
I think this whole concept of the humanity, the divinity, like there's just something in there that happens. And yet we know God's in all of it. Yes. Yeah. Just a great way to start off with that with transfiguration, that it's the same Jesus who's there, even when you don't see him in the dazzling white that way. When you're not seeing Jesus' divinity revealed there for a minute, it doesn't cease to be Jesus. And so that's why that verse our senior year was so comforting to me. Since thou bidst us leave them out, come with us to the plain. And he promises to be there with us in all of his power and might and his love and his grace on our behalf doing those things. Because when we celebrate Lent, what we're doing, like, like when we celebrate kind of any other holiday season, is entering into this history. It's a thing that's already happened. So on the one hand, we're walking with the Savior, so we can kind of practice doing what the Savior does, and that's part of Lent. You know, the fasting is probably one of the most well-known things of Lent, or do we eat fish on Fridays, that kind of thing. And sometimes we fast, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we add things during Lent, we try to be extra generous. Um, I was listening to a thing uh, from a Roman Catholic church the other day, and the guy, the bishop was saying, um, if you normally tip 20%, try tip 25%. Normally tip 25, maybe 30%. You know, this kind of, but that's a neat way to practice the generosity of the Savior. You know, we practice being focused on somebody else rather than on myself during Lent, that kind of a thing. But it's not just practicing acting the way that the Savior acts. It's also a time where it's like this big stop sign has been put up on life for just a hot minute, and we say, okay. And it's not just me walking with the Savior. It's this is what the Savior did. And from the time of, well, before Transfiguration, like we talked about, through Lent and until Easter. And even if you, I mean, you can walk it back straight to the Incarnation. We talked about it in Advent too. His focus was on one thing, and it was your salvation and mine. And to be able to be brought back to that, to recognize that once again, is such a great blessing. I have the privilege to be able to visit people when they're sick or in the hospital. And if it wasn't for that, there wouldn't be a lot in my life that calls me back to consider death. And... (laughs) show about joy and talk about death. There's that. But we have to walk through life considering death if we're going to live it rightly. Whether that means living according to the calling we've received from Jesus, or even if it means like, hey, you should save for retirement because someday you're going to be in the hospital or something like this, right? Uh, And we have to live with kind of the end in mind. And Lent helps us to do that. Brings death right in front of our faces. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We have to deal with that. But we're not going to a place that Jesus hasn't already been. And that's what this promise of transfiguration into Lent is. It's the Savior who walks with you to the plain. It's the Savior who walks with you through this wasteland of death, through this desert of Lent. It's the Savior who's going to go to death for you and bring you to the Easter. And then that reminds us of this microcosm of Lent that becomes the image for the entire Christian life that's so much larger. Because our experience of this world is the wasteland, is the desert, and we experience all these problems. It's not what it should be. I'm sinful. Other people sin against me. All this kind of stuff happens, right? Um, and, and the stuff going on in Ukraine just brings it to our faces once again. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. This is a desert. This is a wasteland. But we know that the Easter, with a capital T-H, the Easter is coming. And when that happens, there'll be no ending it, and it'll be our Savior who's brought us there. And so we get to kind of do that in a mini version every year when Lent comes around and leads us into Easter. 
I love that you're bringing this up. And the one thing that, you know, as we get ready to close out the show, let's talk a little bit about what this looks like in real life right now. Yeah. So this same professor that I mentioned uh, in this sermon, I, I was struck by how he applied this to our lives in this way. And he says, understand what's going on here in the transfiguration. You give this vision of who Jesus is. He's the Lord. He's not just the Savior. He's your Savior. And so he's there with you. And he, he, he kind of riffs on the end of this um, passage from Matthew 17. And in verse 7 there, Jesus came and touched them. They're terrified. Jesus came and touched them and said, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, now they're not seeing Elijah. They're not seeing Moses. They're not seeing the cloud and the voice of the Father there. They saw no one but Jesus only. And he said, so picture those times when you're all by yourself except with Jesus, whether it's um, being bullied online over social media or something like this, and nobody can understand why you believe all this malarkey of a God you can't prove and a Jesus who you can't say, who you can't prove even ever existed, right? Why do you believe all this stuff? Why do you believe what you, believe, what you, what you do believe about Scripture and who, you know, who even cares? And you're all by yourself, he says, with Jesus. Or imagine when you're in a hospital and your family comes and visits you, your friends can come and visit you, but nobody can take that pain away from you. Uh, nobody can take away that anxiety from you. That pain is your pain and nobody else's. And then the night comes in. It's nothing there but you and the people with the masks and the lights on the IV trees and the beeping and the flashing and the numbers and you wonder what they mean and you're all by yourself with Jesus. And then... He said, you know what this is like, because you tell us when you say, I'm not going to be here in class Friday, I have to go to my grandmother's funeral. And he said, you drive home from the funeral then and realize someday I'm not just going to be alone by myself in the car, I'll be alone by myself in a box and we'll close the lid. And he said, you're never more alone than in a grave, but even there, you're there with Jesus and Jesus is there with you. Amen. So powerful. Pastor Joel Newton, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This has been amazing. I feel like we could go on and on. The Transfiguration of Jesus, a powerful, powerful experience during Lent. Thank you for sharing your perspective, the insight from Scripture, the insight from your mentors who've taught you as well. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure to be on. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's been amazing. And we want to thank all of you for choosing to tune in today. We hope that you have also learned something today and incorporate this into your journey this Lent. This is Deb McGregor from Live Joy, Share Joy, thanking you for tuning in, thanking Philip Elke for engineering our program. Please remember to go out, live joy and share joy. Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.